اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم انشاءاللہ ان ٹوڈیز لیسن وی ول لرن اباؤٹ تھری ویری امپورٹنٹ ایونٹس فرام وچ مینی لیسنس کین بی لرنڈ ان مدینہ دا پروفیٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم الانگ وتھ ہم ہو لیفٹ دا مسلمس ایز ویل ایز سم جوئش ٹرائبس دا قرآن ایڈریس دا مسلمس ٹیچنگ دم اباؤٹ وٹ دے ور سپوز ٹو ڈو اینڈ دے ور آلسو ورسز دیٹ ور بینگ ریویلڈ ڈائریکٹڈ ٹو دا بنی اسرائیل وائی to remind them of the favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had bestowed upon them so that they would become more obedient to Allah and believe in the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and follow him. So in these verses, we will learn about the events from the history of Bani Israel that were mentioned. Why? To remind them of the huge favor of Allah and also so that the Bani Israel as well as the Muslims can learn many lessons. Because you know that in history, whenever you reflect, there are many lessons for us. We can always learn from the past, from our own past, from the past of other people, History should not just be studied, should not just be narrated for the sake of narrating, for the sake of information. Whenever we look back, it should be in order to learn a lesson. And this is exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in the Qur'an. So let's see these verses. وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِثَاقَكُمْ And recall when we took your covenant. إِذْ Meaning, اُذْكُرُوا O Bani Israel, recall this incident. Remember this time when... أَخَذْنَا مِثَاقَكُمْ When we took your covenant. أَخَذْنَا is from أَخَذَ هَمْزَ خَا ذَال So we took your covenant. And مِثَاق is the word that is being used for covenant. It's from the root letters. وَوْسَاقَافْ وَثَاقْ is used for a rope. What do you do with a rope? You tie things together. You bind them together. Things that are loose, that are separate. You take a rope and you connect them so that they're firmly bound. From the same root is the word mithaq. And mithaq is used for a covenant, a pact. Why is it called a mithaq? Because a mithaq binds you, ties you up with some obligation. You are required to do something. You are required to not do something. You were free of that obligation before, but now you are obligated. And also, mithaq is called mithaq because it is such a promise, it is such a covenant that is made firm. How is it made firm? By being made official. For example, if you make a deal with someone, with your friend, you just say, okay, I'll give this to you for this much money. She gives it to you. Okay, she will give it to you after two days. Understood. It's not that official. But if you go to a lawyer and in front of the lawyer, in front of certain witnesses, everything is documented. The whole transaction is written down. It's recorded. You sign. They sign. Isn't that made official? Isn't it more strong? compared to just a promise in word, a commitment in wording, of course it's more official and also more strong. So misaq is such a covenant that is official. And how is it made official? By swearing an oath. By saying that yes, by Allah, we swear that we will do such and such or we will not do such and such. Misaq is a very solid, a very firm, a very strong promise, a very serious covenant. So, وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِثَاقَكُمْ O Bani Israel, we took your covenant. You promised. It wasn't an ordinary agreement. It was a covenant. And how did we take that covenant from you? وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُّورِ And we raised above you the mountain. We raised above you the mountain. Why? So that you would make that promise. Otherwise, you weren't willing to do it. رَفَعْنَا رَفَعْنَا is from the root letters. رَفَعْنَا And rafa'a is to raise something. And it means to physically elevate something and also to elevate someone in their ranks. So rafa'na, we lifted up, we raised. 
فَوْقَكُمْ above you. فَوْق فَوْقَ فَوْق is above. We have done this word earlier. فَمَا فَوْقَهَا So we lifted above you what? الطور The word الطور means mountain. And this is not in Arabic language but in Syriac language. And otherwise in the Qur'an the word طور is also used to refer to Mount Sinai in particular. Not just any mountain but in particular which mountain? Mount Sinai. Anything special about Mount Sinai? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to Musa alayhi salam over there. So, وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُورِ We lifted up the mountain above you. And, خُذُوا It was said to them, خُذُوا All of you take. خُذُوا from root letters, Hamza Khadal. It's a command that all of you take. مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ Whatever that we have given you. آتَيْنَا Hamza Tahiyya Whatever that we are giving you, take it. Hold on to it. How should you take it? How should you accept it? بِقُوَّةٍ With strength. قُوَّةٍ قَافْ وَاو يَا قَوِيَ is to be strong. قُوَّةٍ Strength. There are two types of strength. One is physical strength. If you say so-and-so is very strong, meaning they're very mighty in their physical power. They're very able. And the other is intangible strength. Or you can say it's inner strength. And inner strength can take many forms. It can be in the form of determination. It can be in the form of you know, having trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can be in the form of firm resolve. It can be in the form of being very committed, not giving up, being serious about something, being sincere. It can take many different forms. So the Bani Israel were told, take whatever we are giving you with strength. What were they given? They were given the Torah, the book. And they were told that hold on this book with strength. Does it mean that they were told to hold on to the book tightly with their hands and never let it fall? Of course, that is the respect that you're supposed to give to the book. But what does it mean, hold on to the book firmly? That accept whatever is in the book, take all of it, accept all of it in its entirety, and don't pick and choose, but rather follow it. And follow it, not just for some time, but with consistency, with determination. Because if a person follows one thing at certain times and gives up at other times, is he determined? Is he doing what he's doing with strength? No, he's being weak in his actions. So holding on with strength means determination to follow. This was said to the Bani Israel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding them that look, this promise was taken from you, from your forefathers. That خُذُوا مَا أَتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةٍ What's the opposite of holding on to something with strength? Holding it with weakness. That a person is doing it Somebody makes a little bit of fun and that's it. He loses all his confidence. He says, I'm never going to do it again. This is not quwa. What is quwa? That once you've started it, keep doing it. That no matter what happens, whether it is internal struggles, external problems, no matter what comes in your way, stay firm. Stay firm. Khuduma ataynakum biquwatin. And they were also told, Wadku and remember. Dhikr dal kafra. Remember. Remember what? Ma fihi, whatever that is in it. Meaning whatever that is in the book, whatever that you have been commanded, every single instruction, what should you do? Remember it. Don't forget it. What does it mean by wadkuru ma fihi? How do you do dhikr of something? Dhikr of something is done with the qalb, with the lisan, and also with the jawarih. What does it mean by that? The qalb meaning the heart. Remember it, meaning don't forget it. Like for example, if a person has memorized the Qur'an, 
وَذْكُرُوا مَا فِيهِ means that he keeps it fresh in his memory. Not that he memorizes and he forgets. He memorizes and he forgets. So وَذْكُرُوا مَا فِيهِ means keep it fresh in your memory. And that's only possible if a person keeps studying, keeps reviewing, keeps revising. Secondly, dhikr is also done with the lisan, with the tongue. So whatever is in the book, read it, recite it. Typically, what do people do? I love particular surahs of the Qur'an, so I will only recite them. And we ignore a big portion of the Qur'an. We never recite it, we never read it. Perhaps we recited it only the first time we were reading the Qur'an with our teacher, when we were learning how to read the Qur'an. But that's not correct. Allah says, وَذْكُرُوا مَا فِيهِ Read whatever is in it. Study the entire book. Read, recite the entire book. Thirdly, dhikr is also done through the jawarih, meaning through the limbs. What does it mean by that? That whatever commands have been given, a person also acts upon them. A person also brings them in his action. Why remember what is in it? With your heart, with your tongue, with your actions. Why? Allah says, لَعَلَّكُمْ So that you all, تَتَّقُونَ You all adopt taqwa. You all develop fear of Allah. And when you develop fear of Allah, then what's going to happen? You will perform more good deeds and you will stay away from sins. What does it show? That remembering the book, holding on to the book, bring about in a person taqwa. Because whenever a person does any good deed, what does it lead to? More good deeds. We learn in the Quran, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Fasting has been prescribed for you, just as it was prescribed for those before you. Why? So that you develop taqwa. Fasting leads to taqwa, meaning more good deeds. Similarly, we learned earlier, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ أُعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ Worship your Lord. And at the end of the verse, what do we learn? لَعَلَّكُمْ Good deeds bring more good deeds. You know why? Because when a person performs a good deed, his heart is satisfied. Because this is what we were created for. This is the purpose of our creation. We have the sense of achievement. We have the sense of fulfillment. We feel satisfied. And that is a source of nourishment for the heart. And when the heart is nourished, when the heart is satisfied, it yearns to perform even more good deeds. On the other hand, when a person disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know what that does? It creates a distance between a person and his Lord. Wahsha, distance. There is nufur, aversion. A person has no interest in doing good deeds. And you may have seen that once you do something right, you're able to do more. And if you do one wrong thing, you feel shy of going before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have heard many people saying, I don't pray, so how can I make dua? Since I don't pray, I don't even fast. Since I don't do this, I don't even do this. Before I have to fix myself in doing such and such, and then I will focus on prayer. You know, for example, I'm not going to wear hijab because I don't even pray. One sin leads to another sin. One good deed leads to another good. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, hold on to the book, remember what is in it, so that you can have taqwa. And when you have taqwa, you will do one good deed after the other. And that is the way to success. If you look over here in this verse, the Bani Israel, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding them of the covenant that was taken from them. What covenant was this? When was it taken? Remember that Musa alayhi salam, when he returned from the mountain, he brought the Torah. And when he gave it to the Bani Israel, what did they say? We were never going to listen to you until we see Allah openly. And we learned earlier, فَأَخَذَتْكُمُ الصَّاعِقَةُ وَأَنْتُمْ تَنْظُرُونَ ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِكُمْ 
that they were struck with a thunderbolt and they were finished. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them life again, another chance to live. And then when Musa alayhi gave them the book again, they refused, said, no, we can't follow this, we can't study this. For example, people are told, learn the book of Allah, study the Qur'an. They say, no, I don't want to. Why? Because if I know, I'll have to follow. I'll have to obey. I don't want to obey, so I'm not going to learn. Very similar attitude was that of the Bani Israel. Musa a.s. brought the book. He's giving them the book. They're refusing, refusing, refusing. What happened was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted up the mountain and raised it above their heads that accept it. Otherwise, you're finished. You're done. That's it. It's over. Because they were saved from Fir'aun. The sea was parted for them. So many blessings were bestowed on them. Why? So that they would live by the book and they would tell other people about the book. But look at their behavior. No, we're not going to do it. We're not going to accept. We're not going to listen. Did they deserve to live then? Did they deserve to be saved then? No. So this is why the mountain was lifted above them. Accept or you're done. It's over. You're finished. So at that time, they were afraid. They said, fine, you know what, we'll accept. So they accepted and they made a promise with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that yes, we will hold on to the book with firmness and we will remember what is in it. They made a promise. وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِثَاقَكُمْ It was a mithaq. They said, we will hold on to it. We will remember, we will not forget. But what happened soon after? Allah says, ثُمَّ تَوَلَّيْتُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ Then, تَوَلَّيْتُمْ You turned away. تَوَلَّيْتُمْ وَاو لَامْ يَا وَاللَّا وَاللَّا is to turn away. You turned away مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ After that, meaning after making that firm promise with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after giving your word, you turned away. How did they turn away? They promised that they would hold on to the book. Did they hold on to the book with firmness? No. They didn't hold on to the book with firmness, with strength at all. In fact, they forgot the book. They were told, وَذْكُرُوا fihi. Remember what is in it. Read it. They neglected the book. They forgot the book. And you know what? There came a time on the Bani Israel when they didn't have access to even a single copy of the Torah. Just imagine. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a prophet to them who taught them the book again. Imagine if the Muslims of today didn't have access to even one copy of the Qur'an. What does it show how distant people are from the book of Allah? How they have forgotten who they are. How they don't even recognize themselves. They don't even have their own identity. This is what the Bani Israel went through. Allah said, ثُمَّ تَوَلَّيْتُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ You turned away after that. You forgot your covenant. You didn't live by it. If they didn't live by the covenant, what did they deserve? Punishment. They refused to accept the covenant. The mountain was lifted above them. Accept or you're finished. They said, fine, we'll accept. And later on they turned away. When they turned away later, what did they deserve? Punishment. They should be finished. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His mercy, He forgave them. He pardoned them again. Allah says, فَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ فَلَوْلَا So had it not been, if it was not for فَضْلُ اللَّهِ The bounty of Allah, the grace of Allah. Fadl is an extra favor that is given to someone. They don't necessarily deserve it. It's an extra favor that is given to them. So Allah bestowed a huge favor on you. You didn't deserve another chance. But Allah gave you one more chance. فَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ And also His mercy. What was His mercy upon them? That they forgot the book. They neglected the book. They ignored it. They lost it. 
But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent prophets, He sent messengers to teach them, to guide them, to lead them, every time they went astray. This is how merciful Allah is. فَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ لَكُنْتُمْ Surely you would have been مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ of the losers. خَاسِرِينَ Plural of خَاسِر And who is خَاسِر? One who suffers خُسْرَان خَاسِينَ رَا What does that mean? Loss. You would have surely been losers. Losers where? In this dunya and in the akhirah. In this dunya, that Allah's punishment would have come and finished you all. In the akhirah, that you would have nothing to show. No good deed to be deserving of reward. لَكُنْتُمْ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ There are many lessons to be learned in these verses. First of all, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding the Bani Israel of this covenant that they had made with Him. If you remind someone of a promise that they have made with you, why would you do that? So that they fulfill it. So that they follow it. Now the Bani Israel, those present at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, were they present at this time when this covenant was taken? No. Who was it? It was their forefathers. But remember that an ummah is like one body. Those who came first, those who come later, all of them are connected together. If something was made obligatory on the earlier generations, it's also an obligation on the later generations. For example, if a command was given to the Sahaba 1400 years ago, can we say, oh, it's not for us? No. We're the same ummah. Whatever they were commanded, we are also commanded. Whatever was expected of them, it's also expected of us. Similarly, their forefathers made the covenant. It didn't mean that those present at the time of the Prophet ﷺ were not required to live by it. No, they were also required to live by it. And what was the covenant? Holding on to the book with firmness, with strength. The Bani Israel were being given another book by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the Qur'an. They kept coming to the Prophet ﷺ saying, we won't believe in you until such and such will happen. We learn about many incidents in which we see the Yahud, they came to the Prophet ﷺ, they asked him, what is the ruh? What is the soul? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent revealed verses upon him, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الرُّوحِ قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي وَمَا أُوْتِيتُ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the answer. Similarly, they would come to the Prophet ﷺ and ask him, how did the Bani Israel get to Egypt? They were referring to how Yusuf ﷺ came from Palestine to Egypt. So they would ask him many questions and they would send the mushkeen of Makkah as well to ask questions. Why were they doing that? They weren't accepting the Prophet ﷺ. One excuse after the other. So they're being reminded that look what happened in the past. We gave the Torah to your ancestors. When they refused, the mountain was lifted above them. Do you want the same? You want the same destruction and end? They're being reminded over here. Secondly, we also learn from this verse that in some cases, gentleness works and in other cases, harshness works. You might think the mountain being lifted above them, this is quite strict. I mean, this is like forcing someone to accept something. And you might think this is not fair. People should be given their freedom to choose. But you know why Bani Israel were not given their freedom? Because they're the ones who were being saved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why they were saved. So anyway, in some cases, gentleness works. And in other cases, what works? Strictness, firmness. For example, a child. You're teaching him something. You're gentle. You tell him, okay, do this. It's good for you. You tell him in a very nice way. I love you. You're so good. You're such a good girl. So on and so forth. You praise the child. You're very gentle. You give her incentives. And she listens. But if she doesn't listen, there comes a point where you become a little firm. You say, do it. Or else. Such and such will happen. You will give you know, a stern look. You will glare at the child. Or sometimes you will be a little firm in the way you speak. 
Why? Because it's important to teach that particular thing to the child. For example, if a child is holding something that's dangerous, they're trying to grab something that's dangerous, scissors, what are you going to do? Let the child play? Let the child explore? You're going to say, please put that away, sweetheart. And if they don't listen, put that away. Put that away right now. Firmness. The same way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was very gentle with them and He was firm with them. Then we also learn in these verses that the people who have been given a book by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how should they hold on to the book? We have been given the Qur'an, what should we do? Whenever we think of the Qur'an, we only think about putting it on a high place, not touching it without wudu, making sure that it's covered up in a very nice cover, so that it's absolutely inaccessible. This is what we do generally. But is this the right way? No. We have been told to hold on to the book بِقُوَّةٍ With strength, with firmness. It's only possible if you understand the book, if you know the book. The only way to hold on to the book, to remember what is in it, is to have a constant connection with the book of Allah. To have it with you throughout your life. This is the only way of holding on to the book of Allah. Otherwise, we will forget. Otherwise, we will not be able to follow. Then we also learn in these verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very generous, He's very forgiving, He's very merciful. Despite our wrongdoing, He gives us many, many chances again and again and again. The Bani Israel, did they deserve to even live when they refused to accept the Torah? Put yourself in that position. If you saved somebody and they refused to listen to you, what are you going to do? Think about it. Forget it. Finish them. Get rid of them. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is so generous that despite the fact that the Bani Israel refused so many times, Allah forgave them every time. فَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ They forgot and Allah reminded them again. They neglected and Allah taught them again. This is the generosity of Allah. This is the mercy of Allah. But typically, how do people think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We have a very wrong perception, a very wrong image that since I have done this, Allah will never forgive me. Or that Allah always wants to punish us. No. There's so many ways that Allah has opened up for our forgiveness, for our repentance, so that we have one chance after the other. Then the Bani Israel are reminded of another incident. And certainly you know. What does ilm mean? Knowledge. So certainly you know, meaning you are fully aware about what? Alladina, those people who irtadaw minkum, who transgressed among you. Irtadaw, ain dal wow. We have done this word earlier. Kanu yartadun. What does it mean? To transgress the limits. If something is prohibited, a person does it anyway. So they transgressed, they crossed the limits concerning what? Fisabati concerning the Sabbath. What is a Sabt? What is the Sabbath? Sabt is Saturday and it's from the root letter seen bata. And sabata literally is to cut something, to sever something. And Sabt, Saturday was a day of worship for the Bani Israel. But it wasn't like Friday for us or Sunday for the Christians. It was very different for them. How? That they were not allowed to do any worldly work. They're not allowed to go to work. They're not allowed to do any worldly chores, any at all. And this is why it's called sub, because you're cut off from the dunya. 
completely cut off. With us, on Friday, what are we required to do? The men, they're required to go to the masjid and pray Salatul Jumu'ah, attend the khutbah, pray, and then afterwards they're free. They can go do whatever they need. However, for the Jews, the entire day of Saturday, they were supposed to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do no worldly chores whatsoever. Why do you think it was made so difficult for them? They brought it upon themselves by disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you think about it, the more rebellious a person is, the more strict rules are made for him. For example, if there is a child, there is a teenager, the parents trust him. Is he going to be questioned about where he went, who he called, what he did? No. Parents trust him. Casually, you know, every other day the parents may inquire, but not about every single thing. Other children who are rebellious, who lie, who cheat, who deceive, who say they're going to school but they end up at the mall, who say they're going to go to their friends to study but they end up watching a movie with their friend at the theater, and the parents catch them off guard or something like that. So the more rebellious, the more disobedient a person is, the more strict rules are laid on them. For example, if a teenager is very rebellious, the parents will say, here's a phone, tell me when you get there. I'll drop you there myself. You're not going with your friends. I'll drop you myself and I'll pick you up myself. If he wants to go somewhere, they say, no, you're not allowed. Only once a week, not more. You're only allowed to be on the computer till 11 o'clock, not beyond that. And then after that, the internet is unplugged or something or the other happens. Strict rules are given to who? Those who are prone to be more disobedient. The Bani Israel, we can see their attitude. How were they? Very rebellious. The book is being given? Sorry, we're not going to accept. The mountain is lifted? Okay, then they accept. So similarly, one of the difficulties that were laid upon them was what? That the day of Saturday was the day when they were only supposed to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do nothing else. And if they did any worldly work, that would be like a sin for them. It was haram for them to engage in any worldly activities. Absolutely haram. They brought it upon themselves. So what happened? There was a particular community of the Jews who lived by the sea. And they were fishermen. They used to fish. Now on Saturday, were they allowed to fish? They weren't allowed to fish because it's a worldly activity. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested them. How? That on Saturday, there would be so many fish right at the shore. Imagine, they were fishermen. And if you see fish at the shore, what are you going to do? Just wash them and do nothing? No, you want to catch them. But they knew that if they caught the fish, that would be sinful. So they didn't want to disobey. And at the same time, they didn't want to miss that opportunity either. So what did they do? They transgressed concerning the Sabbath. How? We learn in the Quran that what they would do is that they would put the net on Friday. And on Sunday, they would take the net out. You understand? They would put the net on Friday. On Saturday, as the fish are coming, they're getting caught in the net. On Sunday, they would take it out. So they were fishing, but they weren't actually fishing. They were playing a trick. This was deception, khidar, deception. They were playing around with the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These days, people will say, oh, how smart, how clever. Look at them. They didn't break the rule of the Sabbath, but at the same time, they got the fish as well. Well, the point of the Sabbath is that you don't do any worldly things on Saturday. On Saturday, you should be having no worldly profits. So if you have the fish, if you have the net in and you take it out on Sunday, you are transgressing the limits. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that certainly you know about those people who transgressed concerning the Sabbath. فَقُلْنَا لَهُمْ So we said to them, كُونُوا You become قِرَدَةً Apes, خَاسِئِينَ Ones that are despised. 
Qiradah is a plural of Qird. And Qird is used for an ape. They were told, become Qiradah, there are Khasi'in. Khasi'in, plural of Khasi'. And Khasi'in, Khasi'in Hamza. Khasa'a is to chase someone away. Shoo away. Who do you shoo away? Who do you chase away? Someone who is despised, someone who doesn't have any honor, any respect, any worth. Sukunu qiradatan khasi'in. You play with the rules of Allah, with the commands of Allah. You try to deceive Allah. There, become apes, and they're khasi'in, and they literally, literally, they were turned into apes. And it is said that in their physical bodies they became like apes, but in their mind. They were like human beings, meaning they knew who they were. They knew what had happened to themselves. They would weep and cry. And they remained like this for three days and after that they died. And this punishment was so severe, Allah says, that فَجَعَلْنَاهَا So we made it نَكَالًا فَجَعَلْنَاهَا جِيمْ عَيْنْ لَامْ جَعَلَ What does جَعَلَ mean? To make something. So we made it, what? نَكَالًا An exemplary punishment. Meaning this punishment that was given to them was made like an exemplary punishment. Nakal is from the root letters noon kaflam. And nakal is used for neck collars or handcuffs. And nakal is used for an exemplary punishment, a very severe punishment that is given to someone. A very severe punishment. And this severe punishment, it kind of locks them up so that they never repeat that sin again. They never repeat that crime again. Punishment becomes like a collar for them, something that restrains them from repeating the crime again. It becomes like a neck collar, like handcuffs, restraining them from ever committing the crime again. Or it serves as a deterrent for other people. So this punishment that was given to them, فَجَعَلْنَاهَا نَكَالًا It was an exemplary punishment for them and also for those other than them. لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهَا وَمَا خَلْفَهَا For that which was before it and that which was behind it. What does it mean by this? لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهَا بَيْنَ is between and يَدَي This is a dual of يَد What does يَد mean? Hand يَدَي Two hands بَيْنَ يَدَي Between two hands In Arabic, many words are used for front, for before Of them is بَيْنَ يَدَي Between two hands what is between two hands is in front of you, is right before you. So when you look at the words they don't say between its two hands, but rather what does it mean? Before it. So it was an exemplary punishment for the people, the towns that were in front of it, in front of that town. وَمَا خَلْفَهَا And those towns that were خَلْفَهَا behind it. خَلْف behind, خَلَامْفَ What does it mean by this? that it was an exemplary punishment for all those people who lived in the surrounding areas. In the north, in the south, in the east, in the west, meaning the surrounding areas. Some have said that what this means is, لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهَا refers to the people of that time. Because some people transgressed the ruling of the Sabbath and other people did not. So those who did not, for them this was an exemplary punishment. And they knew that they were never ever going to make such a mistake like those people did. Otherwise, they would also suffer a similar punishment. So, ma bayna yidayha refers to people of that time, and khalfa refers to the people who would come later in the future. Khalfa refers to who? People who would come later in the future. So, this was an exemplary punishment: people of that time and people who came later. An exemplary punishment. However, it was a Mawirilla for who? Lin Muttaqeen for those people who adopt taqwa. Mawirilla is from the root letters wa'ain za wa'z. 
Mawrava is such advice that softens the heart of a person, that really affects them, which results in their changing their actions. If somebody orders you in a way that is not effective at all, you will listen and you will forget. But if somebody advises you and they really touch your heart, then what will happen? Will you remember? Yes. Will it bring about a change in your actions? Definitely. So Mawrava is what? An effective advice. Such an advice that brings about a change in the actions of a person. But how is Mawrava given? How is it different from other types of advice? Mawrava has two things in it. First of all, it has tarheeb. And secondly, it has tarheeb. What is tarheeb? To arouse fear. And secondly, tarheeb. What is tarheeb? To encourage, to give an incentive, to give hope. So if somebody advises you in this way, that they're warning you, they make you afraid, but at the same time they make you hopeful, are you going to accept their advice? Yes. So this became a maw'ila for who? Lilmuttaqeen, for those people who adopt taqwa. An exemplary punishment for who? All people. But it brought about a change in who? Lilmuttaqeen. Everybody when they hear about this punishment, they're like, oh my God, this is something serious. However, how many people actually change their behavior? Those who have taqwa. Those who are really serious about saving themselves. For example, a big incident happens. There is an accident. A major accident. Two people die. A big car crash. Why? Because a person was on a cell phone. Some people talk about it and they say, oh my God, you know they were talking on the phone, they ended up in an accident and two people died. Many people will talk about it. Only some people will change their behaviors. People who drink and then drive are more prone to accidents. And they know that if you do it, you're going to end up in an accident. Still people will drink and drive. Who takes maw'ila? Who benefits from the advice, from the warning that is given? Muttaqeen. Those who are really serious about saving themselves, about protecting themselves. Maw'ilatan lil muttaqeen. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِيثَاقَكُمْ وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُّورَ خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةٍ وَاذْكُرُوا مَا فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ ثُمَّ تَوَلَّيْتُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ فَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ لَكُنْتُمْ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُمُ الَّذِينَ اعْتَدَوْا مِنْكُمْ فِي السَّبْتِ فَقُلْنَا لَهُمْ كُونُوا قِرَدَةً خَاسِئِينَ فَجَعَلْنَاهَا نَكَالًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهَا وَمَا خَلْفَهَا وَمَوْعِظَةً لِلْمُتَّقِينَ In these verses we see that the Jews who were present at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they are being reprimanded. وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُمْ You know, you are fully aware of what happened to the people of the Sabbath when they transgressed its limits. So they are being reprimanded. That you know what happened to them, yet you haven't taken any lesson? What was the lesson that they should have taken? That those people who play around with the commands of Allah, they suffer in this world and in the hereafter. Serious punishments are given to them. So they're being reprimanded that you know that this man, Muhammad is indeed the messenger of Allah, 
Yet you deny him? Yet you reject him? Yet you alter the sign in your books and you say, no, he's not the messenger? You have the audacity to do that? وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُمْ They're being reprimanded. Then we also learn in these verses that the Bani Israel, they were given a very severe punishment because of the trick that they played. Because of the hila with regards to matters that were prohibited. What does it show? That hiyal, meaning use of trickery in the matters of religion, this is something that is prohibited. Hila, a trick, is used, why? To make something haram, halal. How? That something that is prohibited. You're not going to do it directly, but you're going to do it indirectly. So basically, you're getting to the same end, but through different means. You're getting to the same end, but how? Through different means. And this is something that is prohibited in our religion. Because it's like playing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's like making a fool out of the one who has given you that prohibition. It's like trying to fool him. This is how children are played with. This is how children are deceived. That yes, we will go out. And the child thinks we're going to go out to the park and you just take him to the backyard. Isn't that deceiving the child? Of course. And that's exactly what people do with the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something that is prohibited. And you know what? This is much worse than actually committing the haram. Committing the haram is wrong. The use of hila, the use of trickery is much worse. Why? Because it includes two things. The commission of haram and secondly, deception, khida'ah. So this is why it becomes a much worse crime than actually committing the haram. And who is deceitful? The hypocrites. The Prophet ﷺ explicitly forbade us from this. He said that do not do what the Jews did, that they made the things that Allah made haram, halal upon themselves. How? Through trickery, through deceit. Can you think of some ways in which people trick the religion of Allah today to make what is haram, halal? For example, they will give interest riba another name. It's exactly the same process. What is interest? An extra charge that is paid on a loan. People will give it another name and they will still give it and take it. Something is actually supposed to be for $50,000. At the end they are paying 60000 but they won't call that 10000 riba. They will call it something else. Changing the name doesn't change the reality of something. You're using trickery to get to something haram through another way, through another means. One thing that really bothers me is beatboxing. You know what beatboxing is? Making musical sounds with your mouth. You're getting the same result of the drum beat and the strings and so on and so forth. And when you hear the beatboxing, you can't even tell if it's music or it's vocals, if, if it sounds. You can't even tell. Who are you trying to deceive? Who are you trying to fool? Unfortunately, this has become so common today in our Islamic nasheed even, that you hear the nasheed and you don't know if it's music or if it's sound. I've been teaching my child, he's two and a half years old, that we don't listen to music. Anytime there's music, we turn whatever is on off or we mute it. Recently, I was showing him nasheed just to keep him a little busy for a few minutes. It was a video on YouTube. And I realized there would be actually, you know, sounds in it. And he said, music. And I'm like, what do I tell this child? It's music, but it's not music. If I tell him it's not music, he's going to be confused. That mom, what is this? Whatever you want to call music, you call music. And whatever you don't want to call music, you don't call it music. It's the same effect. If you listen to beatboxing, if you listen to music, it creates the same bouncing feelings in your body. 
it has the same impact on your heart. Similarly, people will electronically produce the same sounds, but they will say, it's not music. It has the same effect. It sounds exactly the same. What's the difference if you use a drum or if you use your mouth? This is playing tricks with the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, a swear word. Instead of saying the actual word, you change it a little. Like for example, people say, Jesus. You know when something bad happens, they say, cheese or jeez. Why would you say that even? At the time of need, you should not be calling upon Isa salam. You should be calling upon who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't say jeez. Don't say that. Even if you change the word, it means the same thing. If you alter the word slightly, people know exactly what you're saying. It doesn't make it any different. Like for example, taking haram meat and then saying bismillah at the time of eating. This is tricking, fooling. So the Prophet ﷺ explicitly forbade us from this. Our religion is a religion of honesty and sincerity. And if a person is honest and sincere, you should remember that Allah knows exactly what I'm doing. He will keep His way simple and He will abide by the rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. We also learn in this verse about the greed of Bani Israel, that how greedy they were for dunya, that they wanted to make money they cannot even give a little bit of their time to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say, we're too busy, we're too busy, we're too busy. For example, with you, many people might be saying, you go on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday? How can you do that? But once you made up your mind, you are able to do other things as well. For example, with me, it was always a fear that I had of being committed on the weekends. Why? Because weekend mornings, you know, you take it easy, you have a late breakfast, you do your laundry, you do your cooking and your cleaning and everything. But now, alhamdulillah, the same thing is getting done as well. But my mornings are going in something much better. Something that's much more productive. Something that's much more beneficial for me and for other people. So, we should not be so greedy for dunya that we cannot even spare a little bit of time for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Five mornings we spend for this dunya. Can we not spend two mornings for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Doesn't He have a right? Then we also learn in these verses that the punishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to people, they're always similar or appropriate to the crime that has been committed. What did they do? They tricked with the deen of Allah. We're fishing but we're not really fishing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them human but not really human. Qiradatan khasi'een. Because apes in their physical body, they're very similar to human beings, very similar. But they're not human beings. Similarly, they played with the religion of Allah, they tricked, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tricked them. The punishment is always like the crime. Always. We also learn in these verses that a punishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives, it serves two purposes. First of all, to stop the person from repeating the crime. And secondly, a deterrent for other people as well. Nakal, exemplary punishment. Then we also learn in these verses that maw'idah, admonition, Changing your behavior. This is done by who? Those people who have taqwa. وَمَوْعِظَةً لِلْمُتَّقِينَ So the more taqwa a person has, the more he will change his actions. The more he will improve in his behavior.